This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. All right, you guys, welcome to whatever episode this is of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McKeady. And I am so excited for this. You guys have been waiting for this episode literally for four years. So hopefully I deliver. I feel like I will because I have some really great guests with me here today. I am joined by Ashley and Claire from the Celebrity Memoir Book Club podcast. How are you guys? How are you, Ashley? You could go first. Oh, I'm great. You know, really doing brilliantly I don't have a bed right now so I've been sleeping on the couch and so that really sums it up I would say (laughs) where's your bed well I got a new bed and I like had someone come collect the old bed and I got my timing bad okay so now I have no place to sleep I mean I have a couch I have a home I have a whatever but I really feel like not having my routine has really ruined my life (laughs) Not having a bed will throw a wrench in your plans. Exactly. It makes me feel very divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very dad lost his job kind of gig. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Me and Ashley last night got invited to a party, like a fashion week party. And when we went, we were on the list and it turned out the list did not exist. (laughs) So we did get all dressed up with somewhere to go and then had to turn around and just go home. And so I organized my entire day today around being hungover this morning. And I woke up and I was like, well, I'm completely fine. Oh, you're like, <laughs> I'm I guess well I'll just, hydrated. I'll just drink that Gatorade just because. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm just sitting here being like, and at this point I was supposed to take an Advil. At this point I was supposed to be watching Netflix. Well, you know, honestly, you're lucky. You avoided a hangover. Like you swerved, you dodged a bullet. I do believe the universe was saying to me like, this isn't where you belong. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. I didn't belong there. And that's why I wasn't allowed in. <laughs> yeah, you could get drunk today yeah whatever I'll get drunk with my friends I was too old I was too old to be there I was gonna say that I am obsessed with you guys' podcast like beyond and right now I'm working through I can't believe you guys did Jenna Jameson I like can't believe it honestly we I had no idea that I was gonna love her as much as I did I was like oh this will be like a fun porn star book it'll be saucy and then I was Mm -hmm. reading it and I was just like I want to hug her and Claire if there's one thing about my personality something that's like deeply intrinsic to who I am is that I don't hug often <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love Jenna Jameson that we read about I do think Jenna Jameson since then has gone a bit off the rails totally. politically personally I feel like then she was just like a sweet girl doing her best with the card she was dealt now I think she has taken some stances I don't know that we would get along at a dinner party but God bless her. She's been through more than me. <laughs> Who am I to p- to point a finger? No, I-, I get that. I feel like when she wrote that book, she was always like the smart one. She was like ahead of the joke. Like she was like, you know what I mean? And then it felt like after that book came out, like she actually got chewed up and spat out by Hollywood. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think she went to a horrible custody battle where she lost custody of two twin boys that she had with Tito Ortiz. He was somebody who beat her up constantly. And somehow Mm -hmm. it was deemed that she was the domestic abuser Mm -hmm. in the two of them, which feels just like commonsensically not right. Also, he said that she's been like $8 million on drugs for four years. So I guess she relapsed pretty bad. I think she had a real tough time. I mean, to have two little boys out there that you haven't been able to see, I think in eight years, she started over. But I think the damage, I think the damage that was done was really like set in stone at that point. Like, I do think there's a certain point where you're past what therapy can redeem. And I think therapy could have helped her through her childhood, but it's just like, it's too late for her now. Now we just have to hope she makes it from here on out. (laughs) No, yeah, I get that. She was a fucking mess on, I don't remember what, which, uh, therapy show she was on oh therapy oh, show you can't put people on the therapy show was she on a dr drew one dr drew is just <sighs> i think he like just changed his first name to doctor and his last name to drew legally so that we have to call him that is that why we call him dr drew Can i tell you i went to school with his daughter and i like met, he has triplets and i met them and that whole family is a freaking mess and it's funny because the daughter is like this really like bisexual poly like she's recovered from an eating disorder she's very like pro body body positivity like kind of like left-leaning socialist but she just came out with this book with her dad about like how to talk to your kids about awkward conversations and there's just something very like privileged tone deaf about her where she's like on paper and on twitter very like leftist very brooklyn bushwicky right. you know what i mean but then totally. also her dad who i feel like it's kind of conservative. It was like very anti-COVID, very like questionable. She's like hundred percent cashing in on the famous name and she wants to be a writer. She like got her MFA. And I think to then write a book with your Dr. Drew dad is like kind of cutting the line. It's a, it's, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, really yeah. being like, no, 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 this is nepotism. <laughs> no question about it. Do they all purse their lips and put their hand on their chin when they talk and do and shake their head up and down? I like can't even fathom her as a real person in real life at this point, even though I literally went to school with her and knew her in real life at this point, she is just like a Twitter avatar to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's very much a Twitter persona. She's just a profile photo. Mm-hmm. Their mom is very into like, she like has a full-time psych- psychic on staff. Uh, really? What? It was hard for me to say psychic because I meant to say like psychologist. Do you know what I mean? I was about to say psychologist, but I was like, no, 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 no. I'm pretty sure she has a full-time a psychic that like comes with them everywhere they go. Oh, that's iconic. Like that's narcissism, that. like <laughs> on a level that I can relate to. I'm obsessed with being like, tell me what the stars are saying about me now. <laughs> yeah. So like, what's in my future for today or whatever? Wait, yeah. sorry. It just got cloudy. A cloud just passed. Can you re recheck the stars for me? <laughs> yeah. What about love or whatever? Yeah. I have a direct call to the universe at all times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. She'll also go get my dry cleaning. <laughs> so yeah, I said that I've, I've been teasing this episode literally for four years. Like I just talk about Scott Storch and passing so often because the people that I cover on this podcast, a lot of them have slept with him. A lot of them have had music okay. produced by him. A lot of them have bought drugs from him. Mm-hmm. Um is you that know. his like side gig is that his like girl boss side hustle <laughs> passive income or what because it seems like why would you be selling drugs if you're also a major music producer well he blew through a like 600 million dollar uh fortune on you drugs blow through that i mean you like Snort actively 
like yeah, he was I like mean, buying planes and like buying islands and buying buying people mansions he was but like buying, with like, no residual value like he like I guess yeah. it's like a plane it's like a car like as soon as you fly it off the lot it like goes half in value you have right. to think an island that's gotta appreciate like I always like they can't take this shit to eBay and reclaim a bit of it like I don't understand what if he bought an island but they were like oh my god actually that was a sandbar might be anyway it's drowned <laughs> <laughs> he like bought Clinton Bay on accident um <laughs> But no, yeah, he just like he he's famous now for having blown through like an absurd amount of money. And he had like, you know, this crazy rise to fame, having like produced all these iconic songs for people like Dr. Dre and Beyonce and whatever. And then and now he like, you know, we'll talk about it, but like he just is sort of known as the guy who lost it all. Like, I think that, you know, he's been given opportunities to work again. But for the most part, like, he's just sort of a, a tragic tale, I guess, if you will. I don't, tragic is like a tough word for me because I kind of feel like. No, Claire, <laughs> Google a photo of him because if you look at his face, you, I feel like you would find it tragic. It's pure tragedy and it's pure, it's like in its purest form, his face is tragic. He looks um, so juiced up and. Oh my God. <laughs> he looks melted. Oh my God, this is a man who was taking the ferry from Staten Island to Manhattan to go to a ladies drink free tonight party in 2004 and he fell off the ferry and he got waterlogged and we found him 10 years later, a perfect artifact of its time. Willing to put money on the table right now that he was an early investor in Ed Hardy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for he was sure. an early investor in Hot or Not, like the original <laughs> Facebook. Do you remember when Facebook was just to rank women? I feel like he invested in that. And then when Mark Zuckerberg was like, we're actually going to make it like a networking thing. He was like, I'm out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not just ranking women's faces anymore and like their boobs. No, thank, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an interesting character because you definitely have to be, I mean, to even know who he is, like you have to be a millennial you can't be younger than like a certain, I mean, you really, honestly, I would be shocked if anybody younger than like 22 had ever heard his name ever. But back in the day, you would hear people whisper his name in songs. If you were a fan of Paris Hilton's album, you heard a lot of Scott Storch in the background of her songs because he produced her whole album. Um, and I yeah. think Stars Are Blind is one of the best songs of all time. And I unironically I wanted to be the first. That. I wanted to be the first dance at my wedding. <laughs> I live for that. That honestly, Paris's music, her old, like that album, that first one, iconic. Yes. Nothing in this good. world, Stars Are Blind. It's iconic. Jealousy. Yeah, honestly, I do think that if it come out under different contexts, mm-hmm. it would have been like celebrated. But because it was during a time when people were like, oh Paris what the fuck like if she had like really gunned it and tried to like earn her pop career I like do think that people would have celebrated it but because she was just like this is a fun project everyone was like shut the fuck up Um, totally and it's interesting because it's like so he had gone from I'm gonna get into like his history and stuff I'm gonna talk about like why he's famous and like I do want to respectfully like he's a real artist and a real musician and he Mm -hmm. really has contributed like an unimaginable amount to pop culture um and to our lives as far as music even if you don't know who he is so I do want to talk about that stuff but as far as like the Paris Hilton years go there's an interesting phase of his life where his like rap friends like people like Dr. Dre are like 
why are you giving beats to Paris Hilton? Like, why are you producing Paris Hilton albums? Why are you working with Lindsay Lohan? Like, he had a real weird tabloidy early 2000s. Like, he was trying to fuck them. <laughs> yeah, he was like, they do coke and they want to fuck me. Hello. Like, it's not hard to figure out why I'm hanging out with Lindsay Lohan at three in the morning. Hello. Yeah, plus, think about how much money was in those projects. Like, yeah, the record label is like, of course, we want like good you know, Dr. Dre albums or whatever, but like Paris was probably like, oh, I'm willing to pay someone a zillion dollars to produce my album. That was just I mean, like- <laughs> And then Lindsay, every song she did was tied with a movie. Talk about getting a chunk of the Herbie Fully Loaded profit share. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he just seems like a real insecure, like just one of those guys that like was the dork his whole life. And then he became rich and people wanted to sleep with him. And he was like, you know, feeling his oats or whatever for a few years and buying people planes or whatever i wish i'd known him i wish i could have gotten a plane out of that phase in his life you very easily could have honestly Fuck. what if we were like scott we need an intro song for the podcast could you make one and he's like in between dr dre and beyonce sessions he's like, <laughs> yeah. totally. he's hey, like um justin Timberlake, can you hold for one second i have to make a podcast song real quick <laughs> we send it back with notes we're like hey i don't think you're getting the essence of who we are because you try again yeah i know that does not feel right <laughs> i know that you have produced uh songs that are in like the rock and roll hall of fame but eh. yeah. um so yeah so scott stores was actually what i did know about him honestly and i feel kind of like an idiot because it's like i guess common knowledge but i didn't know the scott storage is one of the first members of the roots and as a teenager, he was introduced to this guy named Richard Nichols, who was the manager of the Roots. And he said during a Red Bull Music Academy lecture in Canada, uh, he said he took me under his wing. Eventually, after my parents found out I wasn't going to school, they said, you either go to school and you can stay or you got to go. And I did odd jobs and did whatever I had to do to support myself at 15, 16 years old. And I got a record deal with the Roots. Um, and I've he has like a if anybody's interested he has like a documentary on youtube that was done through vivo and i also read a lot of his like wikipedia and stuff um and like from what i gather about him like he always he never had like like a real desire to be like a solo artist or like release his own music like he was always somebody who was like i just want to be in the studio and produce music for famous people which I feel like is a very specific personality trait to be like, I'm a narcissist, but I don't want to be famous. I think that's the way to be. I don't know. I can't remember who said it. I feel like it was like Quavo, maybe who said, I'd rather be rich than famous. And I do think we're getting to an era where that was like very prescient because right now, like the ups and downs of celebrity are so high and so low and everything is so tumultuous that to always, to be a David Foster type, to just be in the background mm. and have the connections and get invited to every party. There's something, the influencer's influencer, but it is, it's like the famous person's celebrity. Yeah. That's like the prized place to be, I think. And I think it, it showed a lot of foresight on his part to know that that's the sweet spot, to be the person that Lindsay Lohan needs. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I did not know that he was in the roots. We know um, Questlove, and I know. <laughs> yeah. We don't know Questlove, but one time he DM'd Claire, I think, trying to hit on her. But he, oh, by- you meant like no. <laughs> oh shit. Well, I mean, no, no, no not no. Of Questlove. No, we know Questlove. <laughs> oh, your dear friends, your dear friends. He's a dear colleague. 
He definitely was trying to hit on me because I was on Rye at the time. But the way he did it was he said um, this project, this insane project me and Ashley had just done called Our Talk Show, where we were just in bodegas being ridiculous. He said it was genius. And at the time, not one person watched that project. And I was like, wow, what does it mean about us that we did this comedy thing that only Questlove recognizes as genius? And I was like, I guess we are just like way ahead of our time. Because you can see Claire's nipples in half of the video. <laughs> though only quest love recognize how important those are <laughs> he's like it's genius girls he like watch it on mute yeah <laughs> you guys are so funny he didn't even play he just watched the like thumbnail picture and he was like this is this is good comedy he's like Claire, you're an artist <laughs> i love what you're doing with your shirts <laughs> yeah keep wearing white tank tops and doing art please uh, <laughs> um but yeah so then from there Scott was introduced to Dr. Dre which is like the biggest come up of his entire life and his career it basically made him who he was that was around 2004 and at this point Scott George was making close to a million dollars a month which resulted in this crazy drug habit and from what I gather just based on what he said because he's he's a few years sober now and he said, like, I never tried Coke. Like, I'd never tried anything. I was, like, a huge pothead. And when he got a lot of money, he was buying, like, crazy lump sums, like, suitcases of weed. And then a girl introduced him to Coke. And he was, like... Oh, he had never heard of Coke. He was in the roots. He had never heard of Coke before. He was 15 years old trying to make it as a musician. And it wasn't until some girl... Oh, these girls are so evil. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. And I'm like, and you were recording with Dr. Dre in the studio, but you never saw like Coke? Girl. Uh-uh. Not Go buying on. it. All right. I don't buy that. He just didn't know what it was. He was like, they are so dusty. <laughs> right? So much dandruff. <laughs> He's like using a Swiffer wet jet on the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, I'm about to make fun of him a lot. So that's why I'm doing this. I just want to yeah. say, you know, he's a musical prodigy. He's been described as a prodigy. Um, in that documentary that I mentioned, you know, in the first scene, they show him playing piano. I was just like, wow, like this man is like an actual artist, but also disgusting and looks like his skin is going to fall off of his face. He looks um, like a water balloon. <laughs> yeah, he literally looks waterlogged. Like you're yes. right. Yeah um and yeah he taught himself how to play piano he taught himself melodies and he has the head shape of like a mossy rock does that make sense <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> like his hair really looks painted on it's like yeah. lumpy in a hard way but then also soft in a mossy like wet always damp way like something Ooh. about his face looks like it has the moisture level that could would be perfect for bacteria he looks like he has like siblings who are very successful like bodybuilders but he was born like both late and premature and like can't do anything else you know he's what the I mean runt. he's the runt of his litter yeah like the runt like an overfed runt <laughs> yeah it looks like he got like back alley filler that turned out to just be wet cement <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Atlanta filler Atlanta hotel filler yeah sorry Scott Storage we're done Oh, he's our Scott George is already he's unsubscribed from the Patreon. I've already I've lost <laughs> I've lost a listener. It's fine. Um, I made a little list of songs or albums that he worked on. It's way longer than this, but um, he produced Pink's Misunderstood, uh, Christina's Dirty album, a ton of Beyonce's Dangerously in Love. Um, he produced Lean Back by Fat Joe, Candy Shop oh God, by Fifty classic. Cent, 
Lighters Up by Lil' Kim, Paris Hilton's entire album, City High. He produced basically any song that uh, Justin released with Timbaland, he like also worked on. So he was a major part of Future Sex Love Sounds. He, Which Justin just admitted to himself is like his best album. That was, it was the 15 year anniversary of that album yesterday. And Justin Timberlake came out and was like, this was as good as it got for me. And we were all like spot on. Yeah. <laughs> they literally thanks to this fucking blockhead. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he literally produced Cry Me a River, which like obviously changed Justin's life. Um, he did a Me Against the Music remix for In the Zone. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, he was one of the biggest producers of the 2000s. And he basically helped, like if you look at the music where he started producing and like where he sort of fell off, he really was responsible for like a very specific, the sound of like our childhoods basically he like helped create it and uh I wrote my notes that I think one of the things I find the most interesting about him is that he never really like shied away from producing music that I don't know someone on his cat like how do I say this I don't know like he wrote he he did music that someone of his caliber like would have technically been beneath him like he would go do a Dr. Dre song but then be like I have to leave to go produce like you know Hayden Panettiere wants to do a song and I want to do you know what I mean yeah. yeah, he did not gatekeep the production. Yes, that's the best way to put it. He didn't gatekeep the production. Man, a Scott Storch life story jukebox musical would have a phenomenal soundtrack. Can we talk? Like, <laughs> I'm ready for that playlist. Like, I need it. <laughs> yeah, so he basically, he was a giant nerd. He, like, lived in the studio, just a big giant music nerd. And he obtained a $100 million fortune and then lost his fucking mind. Notoriously lost his shit. Was doing things like buying like five luxury cars at once for absolutely no reason. He would go and be like, I want five Rolls Royces for no reason. Um, after like doing a bunch of coke, he would fly around on, you know, $100,000 jets to get dinner and then fly back home. Like- I will would- say this- I am not environmentally it. friendly. <laughs> I also do not think logistically, I'm like laughing so hard at the idea of him like flying from the Burbank airport to LAX to go get pasta or something and then spending two hours in traffic going to each airport. Do you know what I mean? Like, For Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, listen, I don't know that airports are ever like conveniently located near a five-star restaurant, I have to say. He's such a dick. I remember when I did my Christina series, I did like a, a 20 part uh, episode on Christina and she worked with him on Dirty, on, on Stripped. And she wanted to work with him again on her next album. So she was like, come on, Scott, like, let's make the magic again. And he was like, okay, I'm willing to, but you have to like send me a private jet and pay for it. And she was like, well, no, I'm not doing that. Just come to the studio and record with me. And he said no. And they like had a big falling out. And she ended up writing a song about him on her next album called F You Scott Storch. Wait, is that fucking true? It's literally called F.U. Scott Storch? It's called F.U.S.S. S. But yeah, it's about him. And it's literally about how he produced songs for her and then became a coked out asshole. And yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. I can't wait for me and Ashley to break up and for me to do a podcast called like My Falling Out with A.H. And, <laughs> and then when people are like, oh, is this about Ashley? I'll be like, no. I'm going to do one called it never podcast with cp and they'll be like who (laughs) you're like you have to figure it out it means different things for different people 
it's just like a, it's a universal feeling that we all have like every girl reaches a point in her life where she says I'm never again podcasting with CP <laughs> <laughs> it's a rite of passage <laughs> like a bat mitzvah <laughs> yeah yeah um I have a quote here from Billboard magazine this is from 2014 this is about um the sort of like peak of his his like spending times in his life before he was broke it says at the peak of his fame he was throwing now legendary parties at his Palm Island mansion purchasing a 117 foot yacht called the Tiffany and amassing a collection of exotic cars that included a included rare Ferraris and a Bentley that he says was his everyday going to the grocery store ride. He bought piles of bling and traveled to recording sessions on chartered Gulfstream private jets. He said, I would always be going from LA to Miami to New York to Russia to Saint-Tropez. He recalls, cost about $50,000 for a domestic flight, $250,000 for overseas. Yeah, that's an expensive habit. Just like you know, one of those, like, douchey guys that had, like, a Tony Montana, so, like, poster in his, like, room in high school and was, like, I'm gonna live like that one day. I just think it's a lot of airplane time. I can't imagine it was good for his circulation. It's like, <laughs> I sir, guess you see that now in his face. <laughs> yeah, he's bloated above the neck. <laughs> and that is a, that's a high, a high altitude bloat. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a kind of that is explode. a PJ habit bloat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He also mentioned in his Viva documentary um, that when he was going through his like rock bottom or whatever in the music industry and celebrities he gave all these hit songs to, they all turned their backs on him, including people like Dre and and Justin and Beyonce. And he's been very open about it. And um, he was basically like a social pariah. Like if you worked with him at a certain point, it was like you're working, like then people think you're a crackhead because you're in the studio with Scott Storch. Um, the the tabloids started referring to him as the most loathsome man in the music industry, and they named him Mick Douche. And he got this weird like uh public thing with Janet Jackson because the label paid for this really expensive recording time, and instead of working on her album, he threw a party at his house. So Janet Jackson is sitting in the fucking studio waiting for this bloated douchebag, and he decides to ghost her and throw a party as she's like paying him that is kind of sick (laughs) he's a piece he was a piece of shit and he's very open about it i've mentioned many times in the podcast before that during this time like you know as a successful music producer like he became known as somebody who would exchange basically like his whole thing was he would exchange beats for drugs so if you were you know like a celebutant who wanted to do an album or just whoever you know somebody who wasn't like maybe on like a Beyonce caliber yeah you know what I mean if you are Hayden Penetier and you really want to put a song you are a Dixie D'Amelio of 2004 exactly he was like well I'll have sex with you and then I'll give you a beat and then we can do coke together and that's what he became known for um he has produced songs with a lot of women that I care about and that makes me sick to my stomach (laughs) <laughs> the first one being Miss Britney Jean Spears. Uh, yeah, they actually dated a little bit many moons ago in 2003. And during the time he was working on music for her, um, but they had known each other, I guess, for years. They had like recorded in Miami together. And he was just one of those people that you would see with Britney in 2007, like 
in hot tubs and stuff holding drinks <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? My God, poor Brittany. I really feel like, first of all, she might be one of the least. I Well, I guess now she's dating um, a literal model, but I do think they hired him to be her boyfriend. Yeah. Because he's hot. So you guys I both kind believe of, that? Yeah. Yeah. I just really I think he's gay for sure and I do think that they have a relationship that it is like a mutual love and respect I maybe it's sexual just because they're both hot people and I do think that sexuality is one the spectrum but hotness can supersede it sometimes this is a place where we don't agree because I think he's like on the payroll of the conservatorship and he's like kind of playing both sides of them like uh like not smart I don't think he's like a genius, but I do think that he like likes Britney and like feels bad, but I do think he's like on the payroll and like keeping her in check. Interesting. Okay. Um, I don't know where I fall at this point. I've been all over the place. I do think he's hired. Um, yeah. I've made the joke that if you've ever watched the show Gigolos on HBO, like, you know, that or on Showtime, like, you know, he's hired. Like, I, come on, like, come on. Britney just ran into this man at a, like a, what a, a fucking Ruby a Tuesdays or whatever. Come on, yeah. he was in um, Slumber Party, the music video. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that like her, you know, if she if this is a woman who can't swipe her credit card at Starbucks, like like her dad sets up her relationships. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know. I feel weird. I don't. I think that he's a good yeah. guy. I just don't think that it's like there I are don't people. Think he's who, evil. I think right. he's dumb. Mm-hmm. I think he's like, oh, I just like get an allowance from her dad to like take care of her and also make sure that she doesn't ask too many questions and doesn't like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's like cruel, but I don't think that he's like um, on, on our side, you know? Right. Yeah. I think he really likes being famous a lot. Yeah. I think he I don't know. It. I just think. Do you that think it- she knows? that no. he likes to be famous or that he's no, like that he's paid because here's my thing is like if the conservatorship is like we know the conservatorship is abusive and shouldn't exist like obviously like, just like fundamentally like she's a grown woman who like should have human rights but if it is this like deeply abusive situation that she has talked about now in a couple of these like hearings and recordings where like she is kind of like um being like like deeply mistreated on every level for her boyfriend to have spent the last couple of years being like well what am I gonna cause a stir about it like I don't know I just feel like if he like genuinely loved her there would be like more effort to get her out of this and not so much like game playing on both sides I just think it like is pretty fucked up if he's been watching this happen for years now and like is kind of just like but what was I gonna do go against her dad it's like I don't know the internet exists like why did like mm-hmm. fans have to put all these details together if there are people on the inside who genuinely love her and care about her and like would have I assume wanted this information more public if they cared you know what I mean that's a really good point yeah I mean from what I've read like it, it seems like he's really been like put through it and um I don't know but I agree with that like it, it does it's like yeah. why are you also like I don't I don't need cryptic Instagram stories from you sir yeah or he's just too dumb and like has never even thought to like put do effort towards he it is, can I say I do think he is dumb I do think he's somebody that could be easily bullied into silence yeah like, I do think he's somebody that like I do believe that you could say to him hey 
if you talk, we could sue you and put your mom in jail. And you'd be like, not my mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they definitely, I mean, there's no way that they're not using like bullying and, you know, blackmail tactics and stuff against him for sure. I mean, they picked somebody dumb as rocks on purpose. The fact that he's this hot and this connected and the best he's been able to do is the opening credit scene in Hacks is like damning. Right. No, totally. Yeah. It is wild that he has the springboard he has and he hasn't been able to be be like in Fast and Furious 212 as another hot jack dude. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I do. I just think there's something a little sus. I agree. I do think that when he, when she's finally like free in quotes, like I think that he would be somebody that has a lot to say. Like he's gonna talk a lot when she's able to, you know. And there could be there's a possibility that maybe he like doesn't want to say certain things or doesn't want to put her in a worse situation by like exposing things or like I don't know I just think that there's so much there's so much room for uh us to like speculate that it's hard to say but I'm I'm anxious to hear what he says when she's free I I do believe he signed an NDA if he's on the payroll or not he had to sign an NDA to get close to her and I do think say I this is the thing that I'm waiting for someone with like an actual law degree to do like a viral TikTok about the word NDA I feel like has gotten so fucked up because everyone thinks it's like this ironclad thing and NDA doesn't um like supersede your constitutional rights unless there's like proprietary information so like NDAs Mm. for jobs or like on a music video shoot you sign an NDA being like you cannot reveal the content of this music video but like if your rights were violated on that music video shoot then you get to like like they use it to like scare girls and stuff like all these like famous men who are like, you had to sign an NDA before hooking up with me. And then they like hurt them. And then these girls are like, well, I signed an NDA. So what can I do about it? It's like, no, no, no. Your rights were violated. There's a lot you can do about it. The NDA is void. Like, that's not how that works. Like you can't not talk about like your own life experiences unless it's like revealing proprietary information that you signed that you wouldn't reveal during an NDA. So like with the man repeller thing, I was actually allowed to like, I used to work at a fashion blog that like, I kind of violated an NDA by talking about it on a podcast after I got fired. But like, like if I revealed like company inner workings and stuff like that, that's like a violation of my, of the NDA. But like saying that, like, I felt like emotionally abused there was not a violation. Like I'm allowed to do that because it's like my, you know what I mean? Like the an NDA yeah. isn't like bigger than the constitution, even though, I mean, the constitution is like void at this point, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like people really like the word NDA scares the shit out of people and yeah. it is not as serious as people think. Like there's a lot, like they're kind of just like, it's mostly, NDAs are scare tactics. Yeah. <laughs> you said it 10 times. <laughs> I know, but I'm just trying to get it out there because I want people to spill more tea and they're all afraid because I signed an NDA and I'm trying to get the word out. You guys tell us the tea. <laughs> no, but I understand that because I do think <clears throat> a lot of people think that like when it comes to an NDA, an NDA just means like you will just go to prison and be executed if you speak the words that you've been told not to speak when like that's not that's not the case no I get that yeah and that's the other thing is even if you did actually violate it then they have to sue you for violating the NDA which costs them so much money and is it worth it probably not especially for like a private individual with no like fortune <laughs> yeah and I feel like it just makes people more interested in like what's going on when you you know publicly sue somebody for violating an NDA it's like well then people want to know what you said yeah that's the other thing is if he like went and spouted a bunch of shit and they're like oh he's lying 
then everyone would be like, oh, I guess maybe he's lying. Maybe he's not. We have to figure it out. But if they mm-hmm. sued him for violating an NDA, they'd be like, oh, fuck. We got to listen. Yeah, <laughs> he, know? um, he, not Sam, but like, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be really interested in hearing anything from somebody like Scott, but like, I would love to hear, mm-hmm. like, there was a group of guys that Brittany like ran with at this time. People like Chris Angel, just like seedy. Chris Angel. Like yes. nasty motherfuckers, like J.R. Rodham, who's also really gross and talked a lot about her sexually. Um, I don't know. It would just be really interesting to hear like their accounts of like just nights with her, to be honest. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite memoir like side tidbits was when Holly Madison was dating Chris Angel. She said that like he had like a wall in his apartment that girls signed and it said, um, Brittany was here, exclamation point, Spears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that he was like obsessively, he like would talk about Brittany obsessively to Holly and she'd be like, okay, we get it. Um, I also feel like it's very important in the context of this podcast and what we're talking about to say the Brittany stands will lose their shit with this one. Scott Storch very infamously helped produce the song Rebellion for Britney Spears, which is like a huge deal. I mean, that's like, you know, he was he was a part of original doll. Like that is that's what I would want to know from him. I would want to know yeah. a lot more about the original doll, like lost album, how much of it was made. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we know like Mona Lisa is like a big moment for us in like understanding the free Britney movement and all of that stuff like that we started uncovering when we were doing our old Britney podcast I feel like I don't know like learning the backstory of the way she like showed up at Kiss FM barefoot with that (laughs) on like New Year's Eve with a little dog (laughs) it's just like what what like Scott do you have any memories or was it just like a coke fueled haze like tell us what happened here yeah I'd love to know like what was the the writing process where she's like you know writing all these songs about basically her dad being abusive and being like a drunk and you know passing all this stuff down to her like what was the what was the vibe in the room what was the the energy there yeah tell me was it fun (laughs) (laughs) was Brittany in good spirits (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I also feel like it's very important to talk about Scott Storch's relationship with Lil' Kim. It's his most highly publicized relationship. It's a huge part of his legacy, of her legacy, to be honest. Um, It was really, very highly publicized. It started around 2004. And according to him, it was blown up by the media to be more than it actually was. Uh, On Hot 97, he told Ebro that they were basically friends who worked together they hooked up and Ebro made uh, the point like that it was early in blog culture. So like when you look back on stories from that time, like a lot of them are, you know, like magnified to an extent where they seem way bigger because like speculative. Um, yeah. Scott Storch, you're going to denounce the Lil' Kim relationship. That is ballsy on you. Right? <laughs> I know. Like, how dare you be like, not my girlfriend, just a friend. Like, Lil' Kim in 2004, like, put your lighters up, era Lil' Kim. What are you talking about? How dare you? I, I mean, that is more upsetting to me than the million dollars a week on jet fuel or whatever. <laughs> jet fuel. 
Scott searched in 9-11 that's my take <laughs> <laughs> on his like Chipotle from Italy yeah he was, trying he was to in be... the air too often to have not been a part of it what if he was trying to get like insurance money for his like the planes that he was like I bought too many planes I'll just All I'll right. buy some in- <laughs> he's like I have seven planes right now hmm what can I How do get- what if we crash four of them <laughs> yeah crash four I'll give one to Lindsay yeah um, but yeah, so during that time, people were still kind of like learning about who Scott was and they learned about him through his relationship with Lil' Kim. She really made him, honestly, she made him famous. Um, and all of the hip hop publications hated him because he was a dorky white guy dating Lil' Kim. And it was like, who is this fucking guy that like has Lil' Kim wrapped around his finger? He looks like SpongeBob. Uh, he wishes (laughs) on his best day Uh, Spongebob at least has like trim little legs (laughs) in full hair and makeup he could pull off Spongebob (laughs) (laughs) he's not symmetrical the way Spongebob is symmetrical (laughs) Spongebob has better skin let's be honest Um, so during the time that they dated he produced Put Your Lighters Up um, which is you know a, a huge turning point in her career and his career big song for her and then in february of 2006 he um he leased a this is insane he leased a bentley for Lil Kim. he leased it and apparently it was due back in march of 2008 and it wasn't returned because she didn't know that he leased the car so in April of 2009, a few days after he got out of rehab, he was arrested for grand theft auto because Lil' Kim still had this car. And he told the press that he didn't do anything and that, you know, Kim just wanted to keep the car and it was a misunderstanding. But like, that's so ratchet. <laughs> I am humiliated. I am humiliated for him to be leasing a be- Oh my God. Imagine if your like engagement ring was leased <laughs> like six years later, they're like, we have to, he's like, well, we're married now. We're like, Oh my God. A leased car. That is a bad gift. A right? leased engagement ring. I wonder how many of these celebrity couples do that. Like knowing the relationship isn't going to pan out being like, well, lease an engagement hey. ring for now. You'll wear it for six months. We'll break up publicly. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It'll all be okay. It'll pay for itself. Guys- Who's the guy who does um, the Bachelor ring? Neil Lane. Neil <laughs> Lane. I wonder if Neil Lane has his like, like layaway collection of like, or not layaway, like leasing, like a six month like PR stunt collection. Yeah, I mean layaway, in qu- pretty much, right? He's like, this yeah. is the layaway room. <laughs> um, this is a 2010 interview about his uh, the whole like getting arrested because he they thought he stole a car gig it says like we partied and she was like please let me keep the car i also bought charlie baltimore a car for a business deal and found out i went to school with charlie baltimore's daughter she was the most beautiful girl in the school her name was india really i love yeah. charlie baltimore and then she has another little sister who's also trying to make it as a rapper right now i, I didn't know her because we didn't go to school but india the most beautiful woman on the planet just walking around our high school and i was oh like my god Fuck. nothing but love and support to charlie baltimore and her entire family but yeah he also he said he bought a char- a car for charlie baltimore for a business deal um and found out she uh was already signed she didn't want to give it back to me and i had to let her keep the car for a year she got my fucking license taken away from me for fucking running the easy pass <laughs> like it's just so ghetto <laughs> 
like Scott Storch was just so like um rich and ghetto at but like time. no wonder he was always in a private plane he literally was not allowed on a toll road do you know what I mean like he could not be behind the wheel of a car he had to be flying yeah Uber didn't exist yet <laughs> he's like you want to go out to dinner we could fly or we could swim but let me tell you I am not allowed on the streets <laughs> Oh, I was gonna say the idea that he was like buying people planes is so funny to me because like, what would you do? Like if someone bought you a plane, but you didn't like, I'd be like, I don't have gas money for a plane and I don't know any pilots. Like, does it come with the pilot? Like pilot not included or what? That's so, it's such a difficult and expensive gift to receive. And like, where do I put it or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a driveway. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have like uh, an airport um I don't have a hanger in my house (laughs) yeah and then I have a quote from Lil Kim this is her I guess this was her like announcing that that they were broken up um she said yeah it's done Kim said referring to her romantic run with ex-boyfriend Scott Storch she said yeah I have all my jewelry and all of the things he bought me I have everything she said yeah the repossessed car I had the car for six years so I mean the car situation was something where I could not have anything in my name at the time, anything new in my name at the time when he bought the car for me because I was going through my court situation. And anyone who knows when you're going through a, a major court situation, like what I went through before I was in jail, you're not supposed to buy anything, do anything. You can't do anything at the time. I couldn't do anything at the time. You really can't. So he had the title for a long time. I had no idea he wasn't paying the car note or that he was on drugs. I had no idea. Like, this is just, this is She Lil had Kim. no idea he was on drugs. Okay, Lil' Kim, that is a lie. The rest I respect, but do not look me in the face and tell me you don't know that that man whose skin was falling off was on drugs. He had eyeballs that were all the way back in his head. It's just so wild to me when celebrities have, like, really mundane problems. Like, oh, my boyfriend wasn't paying the car note. Like, you're <laughs> Lil' Kim. I feel like we're in a heyday of that right now because of the internet fan that there's all of these super famous people who like do not have a dollar to their name mm-hmm. yes and they had to like keep up the look to keep the followers but then they like literally cannot afford they're like yeah brands send me PR packages because I would not have face wash if they didn't like I cannot right. <laughs> my card will get declined at CVS <laughs> right. yeah. like I can't door dash dinner tonight I have nothing to eat um <laughs> Um, yeah, so after he dated Lil' Kim, he dated somebody named Erica Mena, who I am obsessed with. She's from Love and Hip Hop. She's one of my favorite reality stars of all time, very underrated. And if I had to sum up Erica in like a couple sentences, I would say that she was an early 2000s video vixen. And she dated uh, a I bunch of rappers. Girls. Me too. I love video vixens. And Would you call Amber Rose a video vixen? Was she in videos or was she just like, like a muse? Yeah. I don't know if I'd call her a video vixen. I feel like she was like the second wave where it was like post video vixens and then it was like like iconic strippers. Yeah. Like noted strippers. Who else would you I wish I just tried to do a roundup and I came up with Amber Rose. I came up with um Cardi B. Black China. Came, Black, Black China, China, yes. I came up with Diablo Cody. Oh, hello. <laughs> iconic stripper. Iconic I stripper. <laughs> Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the ones I thought were strippers, I went back and they were not. They were just like sexy women. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. internet hot girls that you're like, oh, you never like did stripping routines. You just like put hot photos on the internet strip. 
it's crazy though because I feel like nobody did it better than Black China. Like I knew who Black China was before. I knew her as an iconic stripper. Yeah. Yeah, I know her as the woman who just like robbed the Kardashians blind, literally. Yeah, literally. She robbed Kardashian. <laughs> I mean, I will say she was brilliant. I actually think the stupidest move they made was trying to do a spinoff with the two of them. I think she should have just like gotten pregnant, taken the money. I don't think like, I don't think the show was honestly that good of an idea, but it like didn't hurt them too much because no one cared. No I do it. love that you know how there's like the uh the slowest gazelle thing where it's like you don't have to be the fastest gazelle you just can't be the slowest gazelle I like that she got into that family and said who is the weakest link here and yeah because she came in via Kim yeah yeah you're right I mean the thing is though you can't make Rob Kardashian interesting no matter what no. you do like no they were like you could have any business in the world put your name on one thing and he was like socks socks <laughs> then he couldn't even do it weed socks funny ones huh? you couldn't even do it yeah you can't even sell some socks at fucking nordstrom and your sister is selling out of lip kits that have already existed <laughs> like and within seconds come on and it was pathetic he should do an incredible jenny craig comeback what do you think they would pay him to get skinny so much money 10 million dollars i mean jenny craig to come back from the grave i feel like they would have to pay him like an enormous <laughs> resurrection fee to be like please for the love of god make us relevant again we accidentally right. aligned with kirsty alley last time and we cannot fuck up like that again so let's go with rob kardashian what if he lined up with noom he's like it turns out it was a mental thing like noom <laughs> music. Um, you know what he would do he would he would line up with some like inter- intermittent fasting and then like chris would get be like frantically trying to call him and be like that's not actually a company that's just an idea it's like don't announce anything on twitter like nobody owns the rights to intermittent fasting he would try to like create a company that has like it'd be like the biggest like money dump of all time like they'd be like what happens is every day drones drop off your meal at 11 a.m and then <laughs> take your food out at 8 p.m <laughs> <So you intermittent. laughs> like we are losing thousands of dollars per customer right now but ten thousand dollars a month in order to keep up with the drone fees I will say that I used to, I used to really, really, really have like a thing for Rob Kardashian. Like back in the day, I was in love with him. That mumbling. We were, was hot. We yeah. were just talking to Amir Yaz, who's a former PR person who went to USC with Rob when he said Rob was hot and Rob was dating yeah. Adrian Bayonne. Oh, his best. Those were his golden years. The absolute heyday of Rob Kardashian. It was, sure. in, I mean, he was hot. Like he would just, and the way that like when you didn't know he was dumb and boring, when you thought that he was just kind of like wordlessly moseying through keeping up with the Kardashian scenes, it was like, who is this mystery brother? And then, right. and then he got like plot lines and you were like, oh no, put him in the background again. Like we don't. Yeah. <laughs> He's truly a bumbling idiot. Like the true, the purest <laughs> definition. They treat him, like, do you remember how, did, are you a Real Housewives person? Hardcore. Okay, remember the season one of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when Lisa had that, like, random gay, like, Iranian that lived in her backyard? Oh, yes, yes, and, yes, yes, and, yes. Then it, and then he tried to sue them or something. That's how they, how Chloe treated Rob. Like, he was just, like, this hot pet they found that they could, like, they're like, you can sleep in the garage if you entertain us. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's, like, her blood relative. <laughs> Yeah, and he's, like, out there with, like, I mean, also, like, he's just, like, so sad because I feel like he was, like, my family's fucking nuts. Like, I feel like, if anything, he got, like, 
engulfed by his family. Do you remember the funniest Instagram of all time when Rob Kardashian posted a picture of the Gone Girl and said, this is my sister, Kim? Never forget. He's so petty. Do you remember when he posted Kylie's number on Twitter? Yes. That was very okay, Let me say something. A brother is a brother is a brother. And that is like the truth of the world <laughs> is that you go up to any woman with a brother and they're like, they have a common experience there. A brother yes. is a brother. I don't give a shit if you are George W. Bush with Jeb. I don't, or Kim Kardashian <laughs> with Rob or Claire with Thomas. Like a brother is a brother. And I love that for us. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It was very relatable when we saw him bullying his sisters on, on Twitter. I was like, aw. Yes, because if he wasn't doing that, it means they don't love each other. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're fighting. <laughs> um, I'm gonna- Sorry, end- I got us way off. Yeah, we got us way off topic, my bad. <laughs> No, you're completely fine. I mean, there is no track to stay on when you're talking about Scott Storch buying people playing. Oh, can I say something about Scott Storch that actually ties into this? The whole time we've been talking about him, I've been thinking about the family members in his life. Imagine being Scott Storch's like sibling or cousin or like aunt and uncle parent and being like, holy shit, someone in our family like did good. Like somebody is going to take care of all of us now. And then watching him amass a fortune that you couldn't even conceive of $600 million is like an unconceivable amount of money. And then somehow being like, it's gone. <laughs> like, like imagine <laughs> being the aunt who's like, hi, Scott, honey, like happy 42nd birthday. Anyway, as you know, your niece, Angela, she's going to college next year. She got into university of Richmond. We're so proud of her. And he'd be like, sorry, I already college. crashed that plane into a tower <laughs> yeah he's like i bought sierra a bentley sorry it's like you're, right. yeah the niece cannot have her tuition paid. like tuition was not paid for by scott storch like i cannot imagine being like where did the fucking money go your uncle's medical bills are really piling up and i was just wondering oh no you bought okay. Lindsay lohan a what okay well never mind <laughs> and, you imagine? and it has no resale value okay <laughs> Can you imagine every time you need something, like, because now he's, like, broke, every time you need to buy something, you're, like, I used to have $600 million, like, and I bought I I do that now. I think, I mean, I do that with, like, Coca-Cola. Like, sometimes I'll spend money on, like, a a nice coffee I can't really afford, and then the next weekend, I'm, like, fuck, I threw that iced coffee out. If that iced coffee was a $20 million plane, I would really be kicking myself. (laughs) I would be, like, that was not necessary. And you're like, I can't afford jeans at like Sears, but I used to own a bunch of planes. Like what had happened? Um, I'm all fleet. I want to talk about his relationship with Paris Hilton a little bit more. Mm-hmm. This is a New York Times article from 2006 when he was working with her. It says, in the coming months, Miss, Mr. Scorch's uh, hit-making ability will be put to the ultimate test. He spent a significant portion of last year working with the celebutante Paris Hilton on her debut album which is scheduled for release this summer. Ms. Hilton has already proven uh, adept at selling books, perfume, racy videotapes, and hamburgers. <laughs> but will she be able to push albums? Yes, the producer is betting. I think Paris's album is going to take everyone by surprise, he said confidently. Still, walking into the project, Mr. Scorch admitted he had felt some trepidation. I remember having a conversation with Dr. Dre, and he said, Scott, this is a risk. You can either have an incredible success or a big failure, but risk is good. He decided to gamble. Later in the evening- He should not be gambling. (laughs) uh, If anybody shouldn't be gambling, it's him. 
Not in his economy. <laughs> Later in the evening at a Miami studio, he played a handful of tracks from Miss Holden's album. Jealousy was clearly aimed at her ever-shrinking ex-best friend, Nicole Richie. And on It's Like That, destined for the clubs, Miss Hilton in a breathy, digitally enhanced register can be heard cooing, gonna lose my clothes. <laughs> you like that, don't you? Let's get exposed. You know you want to. Mr. Scorch and Miss Hilton became an item during their time together. The two showed up hand in hand at the 2005 MTV Video Music Awards, and he did buy her a Bentley. He was also purchased. He also purchased one for his ex-girlfriend Lil Kim when they were an item. <laughs> uh, did the two mix business and pleasure? It's always pleasure working with Paris, Mr. Scorch said, it with a sly chuckle. We're good friends. Let the world figure that out. I take the high road. It's like that okay, is not the high road. That sir, let me tell you something. Let me tell that, you about the high road. Not it. That ain't the high road, sir. Oh not my God. it. I will say, first of all, he bought Paris a Bentley too. That is, is that like his first date go-to move is to be like, like, sorry, I missed dinner. This isn't a booty call though, because I got you a Bentley. <laughs> this gets weirder. Like this part of it is the most unbelievable. He said in 2010 that he actually fell in love with Paris. Like he was like deeply in love with her. And um, he said that he was threatened by her success and he felt like he needed to be bigger and better than her because she was so successful. So he would do things like fly her to the French Riviera and buy her hundreds of thousands of dollars in jewelry. He bought her a Maybach, or Maybach, Maybach? Maybach music. That's all. I, that's how I know how to say it. <laughs> I have to like yeah, think about songs. I know Crystal Maybach, Simmons on your timepiece. And <laughs> <laughs> the Lord's song. <laughs> um so yeah he was like deeply deeply in love with Paris and um yeah I I I just think that that's crazy that he was like I like I need to amass like an even bigger fortune because she's so successful that like I feel threatened by her this to me really checks out exactly like everything that we've learned about him like clearly he's driven by insecurity clearly he's somebody that needs to compensate by having the most I think to date a woman like Paris for a man like Scott Storch is she is very much, she's, I don't, and I don't want to say this like diminutively, like she is very much a prize, but also I think in the way that Kim and Kanye were in love, but in a, like in a specific kind of love where when you want to be like the conqueror of the world, you need the number one in the world on your arm. And like, I think he did love Kim because of everything she represented and I think he like respected that she was like the most beautiful woman in Hollywood and now he's her wife and like that is their pair. I think Scott Storch was in love with Paris's success and like was in love with who she was, which was like the perfect, she is like the perfect production. She mm-hmm. produced an entire character. And I think he was probably like in awe of that, the genius that went into the persona of Paris Hilton and the way she conquered LA at the time. Also, I just think he wasn't deeply too insecure to actually date her. And that is the problem with men. Yeah. If he didn't want her to be so successful, why did he make such a banging album for her? That's what I was gonna say. Like, don't then don't then make stars are blind if you're like, I can't, I'm threatened by how successful she is. Okay. You you fucking killed her album. Yeah. While we're on the topic of her, I do want to just like kind of quickly explore like this time period where like people who maybe didn't necessarily like I won't say deserve because whoever wants to do music should be able to do music honestly but people you maybe wouldn't expect to do music were being given beats by people like that worked with like Britney and NSYNC like 
you know, people who like actually made music. So it was like this really weird time where somebody like Paris Hilton could just put out an album and the music was good because they were songs that were maybe written for Janet Jackson. Like that's a really weird thing. I think there's music and then there's bops. Mm. And he was making music for people who made bops and you can kind of go straight to the bops without the music. Do you know what I mean? That's a good point. Like you don't really need the musicians whatever in there necessarily. Especially because this was like the heyday of singles and stuff because of Mm. like it was like sort of the emergence of internet music Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like people like it used to be an album like you used to have to put out an album and then all of a sudden you didn't like and this was one that was kind of starting like it wasn't fully in effect yet and I think that there was like a really bad phase in like the late 2000s to honestly like last year where no one cared about albums anymore. And then all like now I feel like there's like been a real resurgence of like putting together that like cohesive work and having these like phases to your career and like whatever. But I think that, I think that's maybe one of the things that you kind of like see from the Scott Storage effect is these people who like were just like putting out a bop without being a musician or having anything to say or like any sort of like holistic art, you know? Right. And yeah, like- Stars Are Blind is almost the perfect example because that was truly the song of the summer. Like that was a huge single. Everybody was listening to Stars Are Blind pretending that they weren't. And it was like, yeah, Paris put out an album that nobody really cares about. But like this single is so good. Powerful. It's And it stood the test of time. It's still good. It's still good. Oh my God, it's so good. You know who else's album I feel has not aged a day and is really good? Low-key Ashley Simpson. Oh, Ashley Simpson music is so good. I have a really extensive theory about the way that she like took the bullet for every lip syncer on the planet. People listening to this right now are laughing because she's my North Star in a lot of ways. (laughs) Like Ashley is literally, I'm... I'm like more invested in her career than Joe Simpson. It's like sick. L O L O L O L O V E. I yeah. Um, I actually just recorded an Ashley and Jessica episode with my friend Kelly on the other podcast we do Beyond the Blinds, and we talked a lot about that. Um, the the punishment that Ashley received is just like everybody should be looking back on that and be really embarrassed by how they treated a fucking like 19 20 year old I don't even know if she was 20 like a a young girl for having a backing track on SNL are you fucking kidding that was not her fault that was SNL's fault I mean also but I know Ma doesn't play like the inauguration live like people do backing tracks that's how live works all the time that's how that's how everyone on SNL works that's how every live performance ever like I don't like I don't know show up at the VMAs sometime it's so crazy like the only person who like I believe sings live is Selena Gomez because they definitely can't make it that bad right totally (laughs) no it's crazy and to like denounce every bit of work she put into that album and all like you know she wrote I always say that I think Ashley was the pre-tailor because she wrote all of those songs about guys and then we were able to follow it because of the show and the, the Lindsay thing. Lohan song, the song about, um, what's the one that's like a comeback to Lindsay Lohan? I didn't steal your boyfriend. Yeah, iconic. Yes. That is such a good song. Also, I have to say she did at long-term win because I think the baby she has with Evan Ross, that daughter is like one of the cutest little girls out there. Oh yeah. I also oh, feel God. like the long game of like now being a member of the Ross family is like so iconic. And it's I yeah. so funny that she is, yeah, she's part of like one of the biggest musical legacies in America in a way that like Jessica just won't be. 
I know. Yeah. You I know, know what I say about Jessica? My So we've read Jessica Simpson's memoir. And I like to say that Jessica Simpson was Kim Kardashian, but instead of a sex tape, she had music. Like it was just her like, foray into business, but it wasn't wow. her. Like, oh my God. Yeah. She has, yeah, she has no interest in doing music. I like, you know what I mean? It was just what got her in the game. It was like the thing she became known for, but then she took that and became a mogul. She in her core isn't like, I think Demi Lovato is somebody who just wants to make music. Do you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, I think if God bless, if Demi Lovato survives another 40 years, they might not, you know (laughs) what I mean? But if they, if they make it through this, they will still be a singer songwriter. The thing that makes me so happy about Jessica, um, about her biggest success being fashion. And I literally just got done talking about this, but um, so sorry to anybody listening who's like hearing this twice, but whatever, I, I can't help myself. Yeah. Jessica was so responsible for, Jessica got no credit in the early and mid 2000s for her impact on fashion. We all knew because we were watching newlyweds, but like Jessica had a massive impact on fashion. Like maybe one of the biggest of her like graduating class of pop stars. And you know, with like her- for not wearing khaki shorts like Britney. <laughs> I mean, like the fucking Louis Vuitton bag, the shawls, like her ripped up denim, like Jessica really, Jessica really did the damn thing. And it's crazy that, you know, like over 10 years later, like her business is fashion. And it took so long for people to realize that she even had a fashion sense that was like worth paying attention to. It's just crazy. She has a real, yeah every girl fashion sense. I think that that's why she doesn't get credit for her fashion sense is because mm. she has a real, like it, I think that it, cause also with fashion, like if you look at it, if she's wearing something like six months ahead of time and mm. like kind of setting that trend, by the time you like look back, you're like, oh yeah, we're all wearing this. And it's like, yeah, because she like kind of. Right. That's exactly. Was, like it, helping yeah. to influence that. It's like when people like look back for comedy, people will look back on like George, Carlin or something and be like yeah it's like pretty basic joke writing it's like yeah because for the last like 40 years everyone's been emulating exactly what he's doing so you've heard it all before but like it wasn't basic then and so I feel like her but with fashion the cycles are so much shorter so I had this conversation with my friend the other day because we were talking about Ugg boots and just like how crazy it is that Ugg boots like still are around like they're like secretly around like everybody wears Ugg boots but you don't talk about buying them or owning them and uh she was I was like well you know Jessica invented like the way that we wear Ugg boots now I was like because of Jessica and she didn't believe me and I googled pictures and I was like slouchy ripped up denim like shoved inside an Ugg boot that was a Jessica thing (laughs) I'm sorry but I love I love these white girls who are just trash to their core god bless them There is something so goddamn endearing about a woman who cannot for the life of her level up. <laughs> and I right. like, you put a billion dollars in her bank account and she still won't buy a new pair of Ugg boots. <laughs> They're still going to have salt stains all around the rim. Um, we are close to wrapping up here. I have a couple more Sorry, girls yes. that I want to talk about. No, you're fine. I mean, there's, like I said, there's no track. <laughs> um, I want to talk about his relationship with Lindsay. Of course, he dated Lindsay and did some music with her. Um, he dated her after Paris, of course, because it was 2007 and Paris and Lindsay were just fucking everybody together. Yeah, he he dated Lindsay and during the process of them dating, he bought her over a million dollars in jewelry, which you know, Lindsay was just like, yes, keep it coming. She's I like, oh. 
have a crazy Lindsay Lohan story that I always forget. And I'm always like, I dated a guy who cheated on me with Lindsay Lohan once. Are you fucking kidding? I always forget about this. And somehow it's like the most important thing that's ever happened to me. And it only like comes up once a year in my brain. Um, tell me more. Tell me more. Dun, 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 dun. It's funny because when we talked about Lindsay Lohan, I don't remember it. But when you said he fell in love with her, I dated briefly Liam Neeson's son. Okay. Okay. I okay. did not know it was Liam Neeson's son until I got back to his house. And I was like, why are you obsessed with Star Wars? And not- <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, your dad. Uh, okay. But he, when we were dating Perez Hilton, like he like sends me a text one day and he's like, hey, everything you're seeing online, like it's not true. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I Google his name and I look it up and him and Lindsay Lohan have been caught coming out of a bathroom stall together at One Oak in New York City downtown. And it was like on Perez Hilton and TMZ. And he's like, it's not what it looks like. Like we were, and I was like, oh, it just looks like you guys were doing drugs together. He was like, we weren't doing drugs. And I was like, oh, okay. Then it does look like you're cheating on me. Yeah. So then you're fucking. Yeah. I was just like, okay. So now I just think we're both doing drugs and having sex in the bathroom stall. But he was like, no. And the thing is he, I remember because he had met her the night before they started like hanging out every day that week. And he's like, oh, I met Lindsay Lohan last night. Because of course, Lindsay Lohan was in the parent trap with his mom. Right. Oh my God. That's too much. And so he was, but he was telling me, he's like, I met her and she is so charismatic. And she said, he said that she had like an entourage of like 20 dudes who were just like circling her basically, but that she is so charismatic in her life that you're just like drawn to her. And he's like, he really is like, yeah, I don't know. You would just wait in a hotel till it was like your turn to talk to her. Like everybody was just sitting there waiting to get to talk to her. But I think when you have that much power and you have that much notoriety, and I think she is very beautiful. Like he's like, no, she really is. Like you just, everyone's just sitting around waiting for her. She's extremely magnetic. That's the thing about her is I like, that. I also yeah. think that she's one of the most interesting people to ever be photographed. Like I could look at pictures of Lindsay Lohan. I mean, I have for, you know, 12, 13 fucking years, every day of my life, just nonstop. Like she's so fascinating. 12, 13 years cumulatively. So if you like add up the amount of time in my life that I've been looking at pictures of Lindsay Lohan, that would be like 12 years. And then I her, also- like, Biting her, her fucking finger. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. You remember uh, those, the, the ones with the knives? Who was she with? Was she with? Um, oh, hell yeah. Vanessa. Um, Lachey. Vanessa. Yeah, Vanessa Lachey. Pre-Lachey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to end this episode by talking about his relationship with Kim Kardashian. Because Scott Storch had sex with literally everybody. Um, now there is a bitch who could not get a single. Oh, God. Tell I don't know up, what was wrong me with up, her. Tell me, tell me, tell me up. She could not drop a song. <laughs> Kim trying to do music is like one of my favorite things to ever happen in Hollywood history. Didn't she try it more than once? I feel like she kept on like dropping hints about it or being like, I kind of want to, LOL, expecting someone to be like, no, absolutely do it. And everyone was like, ha. <laughs> like, well, your voice is very shrill, but okay. <laughs> um, so Scott said in 2009, um, an interview with details oh bless you an interview with details magazine he said after a bong hit well this is the little snippet of the interview after a bong hit storch loosens up a bit and the conversation turns to his sexual conquests tops among them kim kardashian she was amazing he says she denies she and scott storch had sex dude she was so fucking hot (laughs) but there were others lots of them 
three or four at once. I made Wilt Chamberlain look like an angel, he says, with, he says, his face darkening. I feel bad about that, being a pig. You meet a lot of good people, people that aren't as fucked up as you, and you manipulate them and take advantage of them. And listen, without meaning to sound derogatory, I'm only using this term as a, a, a way to explain a time period. This is when Kim was known in the industry as like a studio hoe. Like he really was though. He was. She would show up at studios and like hang out or whatever with these rappers. And that was like how people in the industry really like kind of knew new Kim's. Like she was the girl that would just like show up. There was a good group of handsome black men in a room. I mean, I got loves music. She loves seeing how music comes together. She's really inspired by the process. Can I say? And and she got the king, the king of the studio. Look, she and she married one of them. Yeah, totally. She did what she. She married two of them. (laughs) She did. Kim had a a a long term goal in mind, and it was to become famous by doing literally anything she physically could. And I have to say, like when people are like, "Oh, she got famous with a sex tape." Me and Ashley are big believers that that family was going to be famous no matter what. And the things that happened happened. But if it had, if we had been in, in every alternate universe, the Kardashians end up famous. Like that was going yeah. to happen, unless there was like a nuclear war where they were wiped wiped off the face of the planet. Their yeah. ultimate destiny was to all be famous, and it was going to happen no matter what. Like the amount of things that Chris had been throwing against the wall since the time that she was like 22 years old even before since she was 16 years old and she moved in with a a pro golfer and like then realized he was kind of a dud moved down to Robert Kardashian like because he was best friends with OJ like it was a whole I mean she really has had been climbing that ladder since she was 16 years old and reached the top because she needed to and honestly I mean I say the same thing about Paris like I think that Paris would have become famous you know, obviously a lot of people watched the first season of The Simple Life because they wanted to see the girl from the tape. But like, I do think that Paris also would have become famous no matter what. And I mean, you the know, tape only got picked up because she was a socialite. She was right. a fiction. Yeah, exactly. She already had such a natural magnetism. People were drawn to her. And um, yeah, and who's to say like, if those tapes hadn't happened, like maybe they both would have had careers that were easier to navigate like it was hard as fuck to be a Kardashian for like 12 years they were the most hated people in the country yeah yeah people I mean they really had to like I mean I think that show is like such a brilliant work of art because of the way that like it's the early seasons the way that they balance like family and like being like um aspirational and like rich but then also seeming like down to earth and attainable and like every family and like fighting with each other so there was drama but then like caring about each other and being there for each other so that you still like that they're still sympathetic characters like there's so many plates in the air and the way they balanced it for like 13 out of the 20 seasons was beautiful I agree with that and like the pivots that they made with the production where it was like they allowed the show to grow with like the times you know yeah, um, like using social media and like random announcements to like hype up the seasons. I feel yeah. like it, yeah. And like slowly breaking down the fourth wall. It wasn't like a, you know, a big moment, like we're, we're talking to the cameras now. It was like over time you saw like they're interacting with producers. You can see boom mics to the point that like they started to present it as like docu-series almost. Yeah. I mean, the Jordan Wood scandal, the way that they're answering the phone during a confessional right oh my god come on that I mean, alone 
that all goes back. I had to say the final scene of the Hills with the most iconic moments of reality TV show where she's driving off and the set just falls down. Yes. Yes. Lauren's last toothy tongue smile. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Lauren Conrad is somebody literally just hero. said to us that she should do a memoir. And I, I was like, it'll be the first book with beige font on cream paper. <laughs> oh my God. What a it's, bowl of an oatmeal of a book. <laughs> no, truly a truly like a porridge. Like if the book isn't about being basic and capitalizing on being basic, I don't want to read it because that's the it's, only thing you've ever done for me. It's oatmeal made with oat milk. It's just a lot yes. of nothing. Nothing. Oh, God. Lauren Carmen, don't even get me started. We can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can't. Don't get me started. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's pretty, that's pretty much Scott Storch's life in a nutshell. He had a real flash in the pan, you know, kind of career. Um, he spent a lot of money, did a lot of drugs, had a lot of sex, blew it all. Again, I really suggest uh, his documentary on YouTube is super interesting. Um, he's just somebody that, you know, has made a, a big impact on your life, whether you know him or not. Thank you so much for having us on. This was so fun. Yeah, so thank you fun. guys for coming on. This was amazing. I'm about to go make a Scott Storch playlist in honor of him. Maybe he can like buy some some food or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell people where they can find your podcast and like what you guys are currently working on. Ash, you want to take it away? Yeah, um, our podcast is called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. It's on um, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, um, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. We also have a Patreon where we go a little bit more unhinged. Off the rails. Off yeah. the rails. The, uh, you know, it's, but it's top secret. So if you join the Patreon, you're signing a confidential, confidential, an, an NDA. NDA. An NDA. <laughs> And you um, will go to prison if you say anything about it. You will go to prison. And- fucking absolutely. <laughs> we do have the means to sue you. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, and that's what our Patreon, that's what we use the Patreon money for, is uh, mm-hmm. we're creating a little fund to sue the shit out of people who rat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, where else are we? Um, on uh, TikTok, Celebrity Memoir Book Club podcast. On Instagram, at Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Twitter, CNBC underscore podcast um what else i'm claire the scare on instagram c-l-a-i-r-e the scare oh yeah i'm ashley ham with three n's well thank you guys so much i'm literally at this moment gonna go clean and listen to the rest of jenna jameson oh my god thank you so much i'm so excited this was so fun i'm happy we were able to do this me too finally this was so much fun well yeah will you guys have to come back and i'd love to have you on our we got to do a patreon episode with you so we can really get in the Patreon's more fun because you don't have to do homework. We just get to say whatever we want. <laughs> oh my God, I would love to. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Oh my God. Okay, so we'll set that up. I'm excited. All right. This well, is so fun. I you. hope you guys enjoyed learning about Scott Storch. Bye. I did. I really did. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.